Welcome back to another episode of the Mouth of the South podcast. I am your host, Darian Gray, and as the title may suggest, I am the Mouth of the South. Thank you guys for coming on this journey with me today. And I'm going to start it off with the quote of the week from Jonathan Lockwood Huey. I hope I said his name correctly. Apologies if I didn't. However, it's celebrate endings for they precede new beginnings. And I was going to use this uh, this quote from Money Heist Part 5, the season finale, but I didn't want to give any spoilers. I didn't want anybody to be like, ah, I'm not going to listen, la, 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 la. I didn't want any of that. So I decided to just go with that simple uh, quote from Jonathan Lockwood. And I think it's important. It's kind of on theme because we love Drew. Absolutely adore Drew and know everything he did for the city, did for the team. But Drew is retired now, and you just have to accept that fate. And I don't want to sit here and be like, Drew is this, Drew is that. Inevitably, at some point in the season, you will say, Drew would have made that pass. But there's also times in the season when you can say, Drew wouldn't have made that pass. So there's just differences between the quarterbacks, and I don't want to spend the whole time comparing or, I don't want to say fantasizing, but more so over-concerning ourselves with the past that was Drew Brees. And I want to focus on this first start of Jameis. I want to see if this is going to be Jameis just starting the game, maybe starting throughout the year, or if this is going to be the start of the Jameis Winston era in New Orleans. Because that's two completely different things, and that's something that I will really be looking forward to watching, not just in week one, but hopefully all the way to week 21. You know, hopefully we're talking about in the Super Bowl, we're talking about Jameis Winston, and yes, the Saints have found their new quarterback. So I know everybody doesn't go get to go from great to great, but it will also be nice to see that at least the Saints have a future at the quarterback position. However, that's not where we're starting today. We're going to talk about the depth chart. We're going to talk about the new cornerback signings today, and then we're going to bring on my friend, friend of the show, family member to me, Tramel Jeffers, the cheesehead. We're going to talk about Green Bay. There was no way I was going to have a week leading up to Green Bay and not talk to my brother. It, was, it wasn't going to happen. So you guys are going to get that today. It's a, it's a great show, man. I'm, I'm excited. Without further ado, let's get into the depth chart. The depth chart was interesting to me. Let's start off with some new numbers. Desmond Trufant came in, he, he was 31. Then Tony Jones Jr. switched to 21. But then with the Bradley Roby signing, he switched to 34. So he's still RB2. And with the release of Latavius Murray, which I came on the show last week and I said I felt like he had uh, he was number five on my list of players with the most to prove. And the thing he needed to prove was that he deserved his roster spot. I thought he did. And I think he would have if he'd taken that pay cut. Shannon Sharp said basically the Saints did him dirty by cutting him now rather than March because they always wanted him to take a pay cut, and they tried to force him to take a pay cut when his back was against the wall, and he declined. That makes sense in the, fa- in the way he presented it. However, I feel like the context around it of Tony Jones Jr. simply outplaying him and having a better performance and taking his, his position adds a different element to that. With Tony Jones Jr. now being the number two running back, I think it came down to uh, they just didn't want Latavius Murray. They didn't want to pay Latavius Murray that amount that they were going to pay him to be your number three running back and not play special teams or anything. So it's going to be a steep, steep price tag for a number three. So he didn't take the pay cut. He got released. I don't think it was simply trying to back him into a corner and force him or wanting the same production at lesser pay. I think he was going to have lesser production. So they wanted to give him lesser pay. 
But I wish him the best. He's out there in uh, Baltimore. I really wish him the best because he's on my fantasy team. And I need him to step up. Just week six. That's all I need. Just week six. When Raheem Mostert and Alvin Kamara are on their bye week, I just need you to step up. See, I was banking on Sony Michelle. I just need you one week. Just one week. And pray to God there's no injuries that, that demolish my running back court like they did last year. But let's get back to, uh, to the depth chart. And more concerning and more Saints matters. I said we have a back a packed show, and here I am going off on a tangent. But hey, it is what it is. Tony Jones Jr. is your running back too. It's a tough, 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 uh, tough break, man. I, I think that he has something left in the tank. So on a serious note, I said that last week, and I mean that now. Or earlier this week, and I mean that now. Number change again is Quan Alexander wearing five, and y'all know me. If you don't know me, I'm gonna give you a little. A little quick synopsis. And I am a huge fan of the number five. A lot of people have a, have a favorite number. I consider myself a fan of the number. I am a little bit of a uh, uh, OCD type deal. Like just overly concerned with the number five. It's crazy. I love it. Um, I, I got a five practice jersey from high school. I got my five jersey from little league like i really do love the number i'm not gonna nerd out on the podcast right now but just know i really care about the number and i've been waiting for the saints to have a starter at that number it didn't matter position but for the longest time with the rules it was either going to be a kicker it was going to be a quarterback or a punter that's the only people it could have been so i thought teddy bridgewater was going to be a starting quarterback man i had my, my five take my money now you understand so that's what I was. That's how I was feeling. But now with Quan Alexander getting five, I used to play linebacker. Uh, dude came from LSU. I mean, give me a couple productive games. That five jersey is good as mine. I'm, I'm gonna order it. It's hundred percent. You can take my money now. You understand? So that that was interesting. But I love the rules. The the change in the five. You have a you have a linebacker wearing five. You have a linebacker wearing twenty. I just think they need to let the big fellas on the defensive line get hit them single-digit numbers, okay? Man, imagine Miles Garrett just wearing wearing seven or something like that. I just I love it in college. I love it now. Kyle Brandt said it doesn't feel NFL-like. Well, that's because you're used to the NFL being a job and being so buttoned up, suit and tie. This is a game that people make money off of, and it should be fun. So I, I I'm I'm looking forward to it, okay? And I love the single-digit numbers. And Quan Alexander wearing five, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there. So, But more importantly about Quan Alexander and his fives, or more, more importantly than Quan Alexander and his five, I should say, is the fact that he's coming back from a torn Achilles that he suffered in late December on Christmas Day. It's early September, man. That's not even nine months. And this is phenomenal. I've seen the videos. I've seen how he moved. He looks good. I can't wait to see him in a real game. I would have liked to see him in that third preseason game. I don't even know if they would have risked it. But I want to see him in real action and see how he moves. How does he change directions? What does he look like when he's playing football? Because that's, that's different than just running around changing direction with no pads on, having to change on the fly. You kind of know when it's coming. Even when you don't, it's still a, it's still a drill. So now we're going to see him in real football action. So another thing that was interesting from the depth chart, aside from just the number changes and the fact that Quan Alexander is a starter, I didn't even say that, but he's a starter. It's actually the people who are behind him. And it's the way they're listed. On the initial depth chart, it was listed Zach Mon slash Pete Warner. 
I could have just let that go. But my mind started racing. My mind started racing. I started wondering, why is there a slash? Thought about the possible reasons. Okay, they, they didn't want to put four people down, but they did four people on the depth chart. They went four deep, first, second, third, and fourth string for your quarterback and your strong safety position. Hmm. Okay. Every other position has one individual at each slot, except for this one. It's nowhere here. This includes the, the, the positions like defensive end that require rotation. You have Carl Granison and Peyton Turner. That would have been a perfect time to put a slash because I know they're probably going to play equal amounts as long as health permits, and they're going to be in a rotation. They're all going to play. But even they didn't have a slash. So I'm curious on what does this slash mean? To me, I tried to come up with something. Many believe that Bond was outplaying, or excuse me, Bond outplayed his position in the preseason. And what I mean by that is, before the preseason, it seemed like Werner was having a better camp than Bond. Then Bond came out in the preseason, and he balled out. And it seemed like he played good enough to overtake Werner for that second or first, depending on, you know, Quan hadn't came back at the time, so it looked like the first team will position. But maybe that means it's just so close that it's too close to call. Maybe they didn't over, maybe he didn't overtake, maybe he just evened it out. I don't know. But the slash is curious to me because here goes my other random situation, which might make more sense, is in a situation where Zach Bond is your starting wheel linebacker. So just say Quan isn't available for whatever reason. Maybe if they go base, Bond will slide out to Sam and Werner will become your starting wheel linebacker in base defense. There was some talks about um, Bond getting those Sam snaps with Quan there. So maybe he's going to be your base Sam linebacker as well. That's one way to look at it. But I don't know. It's something that was very curious to me. And it could be something that's so unlikely, and it's just a stretch for me to even think about. But that's where my mind jumped to. So two other quick notes from the depth chart is Christian Ringo and Malcolm Roach are your starting defensive tackles with Shy Tuttle mixing into the rotation quite a bit, I expect. You know, they're not just going to play two defensive tackles the whole time, but Ringo and Roach is who you will probably see on the first defensive snap the Saints have. And then also, Marquez Callaway is the backup returner to Deontay Harris. Something I had talked about was who was going to be the backup when I thought Harris was going to be suspended. Doesn't seem like he's going to be suspended now, but it's still an interesting question just in case. I don't think Callaway is going to be really your backup returner. I think this is something that might happen in a, in a, in a pinch. Maybe liken it to when Breeze got hurt against San Francisco. And Marquez Callaway, excuse me, and Jameis Winston came in and he finished off that game. However, the week after, Taysom Hill was your starting quarterback. Say Deontay Harris is injured or whatever happens in the game. I think Callaway will be your returner while he's out. However, I think the next week you will find another guy to return kicks because Callaway should be just too important to your offense to risk him out there at that moment. Because he's going to be your number one or number two at some point in the, in the, in the year. He'll be your one, and when, and when MT come back, He'll be your two. Either way, he's going to be extremely important. And I'm not risking him on kickoff return. Harris is going to be your, your 
three, four type of guy. Maybe your number two, actually, because we don't know how, how Trey Quan's going to look. Now, before we get into calling Tramel the cheesehead, and we're going to see what he thinks about the game, we're going to close it out when we're going to talk about the cornerback situation. And for the longest time, the Saints had three cornerbacks who played the outside position on their roster. And after an offseason full of saying it, finally it looks like the Saints have treated the cornerback position like a priority, like a must that they have called it this whole season, offseason. In just a couple of days, the Saints have added depth, and they added a new starter to the team. So you have to give them a round of applause for that. And the Saints aren't laying down at all. They're not here to, to roll over and say, oh, we're just going to see how things go this year. They're really trying to win, and this move, both moves, more so the latter, tells you. Because you're going with three, three cornerbacks, you're kind of risking it. You get an injury to two, it's like, oh, man, what are you going to do? You only got one corner. You got to have two on the field at one time. And then you start makeshifting things. You got to throw P.J. Williams out there. You know, you might have to throw uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson out there. And I'd rather throw him out there than P.J. because at least I know, or at least I don't know what, what C.J. is going to be. But P.J., I know what he is, and I don't like it at all. I don't like it one bit. You understand? <laughs> so, but to me, the true font move is it's just a depth piece. He's 31, coming off, coming off a year in Detroit, where he wasn't really graded highly. Prior to that, he didn't play a lot of games in Atlanta, had an injury, had injury uh two out of the three last two out of the last three years that he was in Atlanta. But a depth piece nonetheless, solid. I'm okay with that. And honestly, he would get more talks if they did not trade for Bradley Roby. And in trading for Bradley Roby, I think the Saints have finally found a number two corner that they can really have there. And it's another Ohio State Buckeye, but I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. I know a lot of people roll their eyes at how many uh, Buckeyes the Saints have, but they usually work out. Even if even Eli Apple, who worked out for a little bit, worked out. So I'm not going to sit here and complain. They be hitting on them Ohio State players. Now, until they start getting some bums from Ohio State, I might want them to get LSU players because I got Louisiana love. But other than that, I can't complain because it's working out for my squad. And with Roby, he might have never lived up to that first round hype that the Broncos wanted him to be. But that's fine. They don't need him to be here. He's your number two corner. You need him to be good enough. Marshawn is still going to be your guy. He's still the stud. So for a second round, or excuse me, a third round pick in 2022, and then a conditional sixth round pick in 2023 for your second corner, and then you get to not have as much as his cap hit. That's probably why the third round pick came into play. I'm happy with this. He's a guy, he's played better in zone than he did a man. However, we'll see if the Saints play more match coverage, you know, mixed coverage out there. And then if he also maybe just gets a little better. I mean, I think we've seen Richard. We've seen what he did with, with, with Paulson Adebo. And there was talks about his man coverage. Now, granted, he's been out of the game for a while. So it might be a little different of a story. It might be more of a refresher and less of a tutor type situation. But I trust him, Richard. He, he's, he's shown me some good things this, this uh, offseason with the Saints. And he has a track record for being able to do those things. Now, with Roby, he's serving the last game of his PED suspension. And he will be missing the Green Bay Packer game, which isn't really a sweat. 
because he will only had he would have only had four days to grasp the playbook anyway. So now with this, he'll have a week and a half to grasp the playbook before they play Carolina. So I think it's actually not really that big of a deal with when he was acquired. So until then, it seems like Crowley's going to be injured. And we will see Paulson Adivo for at least one game starting at your number two cornerback position. And I'm excited because this is the guy, this is the guy who I wanted to start. I want him to be the number two. I'm kind of bummed that you got Roby. Now we won't see Adivo, but hey, I understand he's more of a veteran guy. And he also has an out after this year for a team that usually plays cap gymnastics in the offseason. We've seen Jenkins just become a cap casualty. Roby has an out where you have no dead money attached to him if you cut him after this year. So if a Devo plays good or really good and he shows throughout the, the year that this is the guy that is your number two corner, he just needed a year to sit and maybe marinate and season up before he's ready to finally go out there, then you have your number two cornerback and you can also get rid of Roby with absolutely no cost to yourself. So it'll be interesting but I think Roby's going to cement the position the same way the guys who, who came before him did. It's a revolving door at the cornerback two position. Janoris looked like a guy who could have held it down for more than two years. But everybody comes in and fares well on the first year as far as uh, number two corner go. Eli Apple, Crowley, Janoris, they all do. And I don't think Roby should be any different. So we'll see it. Now it's time to go talk to my brother, talk to the cheesehead. We're going to be talking about three uh, matchups to watch, two storylines, and one key to victory. And as I promised, I told you guys I would have my brother that I have family on here, Tremel, the Cheesehead, Jeffers. We got football back on a scale of 1 to 10. How excited are you about it? Uh, to be honest, this is probably the first season where I'm just not really excited. It's just another day. And another season, and to be honest with you, I'm just ready for January to come back. I still got a sour taste in my mouth from that NFC Championship game last year against Tampa Bay. So to answer your question, I'll say a five, five out of ten. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> that's unfortunate. I'm I'm extremely excited, but I know uh, we've talked, so I know you're just worried about the postseason. You're not even worried about the regular season. But unfortunately for you. That's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the regular season. And we're talking about the week one matchup between my New Orleans Saints and your Green Bay Packers. And I told him, man, there's no way I was going to have this episode leading up into the pod, have this podcast leading up into the uh, game and not bring you on. So what we're going to do is we're talking about three matchups, two storylines, and one key to victory. And I'll start off with my three matchups. I think the easiest one, and you probably had this on your list as well because it's probably the most high-profile one, Marshawn Lattimore versus Devontae Adams. We were robbed of this matchup last year. I thought we were going to be robbed of it this year, but we aren't two high-level guys, and Lattimore plays the best when the big receivers are here, man. So I'm excited to see what Devontae Adams is going to be. Rodgers is going to throw the ball to him, so there's no shortage of opportunities that Marshawn will have to prove that he's a top-level corner. I'm super excited. Then we're going to go Alvin Kamara versus the whole Packers defense. Every single player, every single one, because this isn't a one-man job. It takes a village to raise a child, and it takes a unit to stop Alvin Kamara. Last year, he had 197 yards on just 19 touches. That's almost 10, or that's over 10 yards a touch. 
So you we all know the electric screen pass that he broke all those tackles on and took it for a touchdown. And I'm not saying all this to rub into your face. I'm just saying that last year they had they had some trouble stopping him. And the Saints have a lack of weapons on the outside, which may seem like a benefit to the Packers. However, it could lead to the Saints, and it probably will lead to the Saints leaning on their most lethal weapon of all. That's Alvin Kamara. And that's not a, a guy that they had much success against last year. And then lastly, I didn't want to go this way, but I just couldn't ignore it. I didn't want to do another receiver corner type of matchup. But Marquez Callaway versus Jair Alexander. Alexander. And this is a matchup that I'm looking forward to, not just because I want to see how these guys fare against each other. You know, that's a phenomenal test. That's like being in the medical field and your opening test is like the MCAT. And that's Jair Alexander, all pro cornerback. But I also want to see how often it happens. Because I, I have a feeling that the Packers will play sides. But Marquez had a really good preseason. And we'll see if it continues. But that really good preseason could put him on the radar a bit and just have them put Jair on him and say, hey, wipe this guy out the game and we'll deal with everybody else. So I'll be interested to see how they do when they match up against each other, but also how often they do. And if they just saying, all right, you take the right side, we take the left side, and we'll deal with this receiving core in that way. Exactly. All three of those matchups are great matchups, very interesting matchups. And I had two out of the three of your matchups. So I had Devontae Adams versus Marshawn Lattimore, of course. That's that's the number one I see because we didn't get to see it last year because Devontae Adams was hurt. He ended up missing that game. And the last time these two guys matched up was back in 2017. And Marshawn Lattimore pretty much got the best of Devontae Adams. But to be fair, Devontae Adams wasn't that dude yet. He wasn't the Devontae Adams that he is now. Back then, he was probably a top 15, top 20 receiver. Now, a lot of people think he's the number one receiver in the game. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup to see two players, the best at their positions. I'm excited. This is the one I was looking for. Of course, the Alvin Kamara versus the Green Bay Packers defense. I think that's very important because the lack of the, the wide receiver options that you all have. You know, Michael Thomas is out right now. He's not going to be back until probably week seven, week eight. You know, Emmanuel Sanders is no longer there. So you really don't have that that true number one receiver. Now, Callaway can become that guy, but we have to see if, if it's going to happen. I'm not too sold on it yet. I'm going to have to wait and see and let it play out. So I think it's very important to stop that number one player on your offense, which is Alvin Kamara. And last year, we did not do a good job of that. It's kind of a similar situation from last year. Michael Thomas didn't play last year. He won't be here this week. So I would like to see this Packers defense do a much better job of focusing on Kamara and not letting him go off and do whatever he wants. And then the third matchup I'm looking forward to is the quarterback duo or the quarterback duel, Aaron Rodgers versus Jameis Winston. I know that they're not playing against each other. It's Aaron Rodgers versus the Saints defense and Jameis Winston versus the Packers defense. But I know it's going to be entertaining. I know both guys are going to put up some stats. I look at Jameis Winston as a very good quarterback. You give him a nice offensive line. You give him a couple of weapons. He'll be able to take care of the football, and he'll be able to put up some good stats. And I think that's something we'll see from both quarterbacks this week. It's going to be interesting. 
and it might be a high-scoring game just like it was last year. I hope not. I hope not at all. But um, we'll get to that later. But, yeah, that Jameis versus Aaron Rodgers situation, I especially didn't expect us to have two of the same. I knew you would have Marshawn versus uh, Adams, but I didn't expect you to have Alvin Kamara versus the defense. But I think what's interesting with that is that both storylines or both guys on each team have their own storylines. And I don't, I don't want to give too much away in case that is one of them, but they both have their unique ones. So I'll start off with Jameis's because that's one of my storylines. So it leads in perfectly. So I pride myself in my reach, but, you know, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit here again. And there's nothing more that I'll be interested watching than Jameis's progression as the starting quarterback. I'm, I'm excited. Um, we'll see the team stretching the field more which will open up run after the catch opportunities for some of the underneath routes. And then most importantly, you're looking for his decision-making because he's always had the talent. It's just about his decision-making in, in situations that are high pressure to me. And what does he do when he does make a mistake? Because he played really good in the preseason. We'll see what happens when he makes the mistake. And if he's good enough to make good decisions, then I think you feel comfortable with his talent level. And then my second storyline is how does Paulson Adebo fare in his first start? Because I think Crowley will be injured. He's injured right now. We'll see if he, he'll be good for game day. But if Paulson Adebo starting, that's a, that's a cornerback who's a rookie. He played in the preseason, but he hasn't played in a real, real game since two years ago, basically, because he opted out last year, and he's going to go against Aaron Rodgers. It's a lot of guys having their, a tough first test. So he looked good in the preseason, but... Aaron Rodgers is a whole different situation. So I'm excited to see what he'll be. And it's been a big question mark, that second cornerback. And I know Aaron Rodgers is going to take a lot of targets at him. As much as he loves Adams, you can't tell me he's going to see a rookie cornerback out there and not say, let's try to exploit this guy. Exactly. I agree with both storylines. I like both of them, especially that, that last one that you just mentioned. Aaron Rodgers, he's definitely going to be targeting those cornerbacks outside of Marshawn Lattimore, and that's one of my storylines. The Green Bay Packers, second, third, fourth receivers versus these New Orleans Saints corners. We already know Devontae Adams versus Lattimore. We already know what we're going to get with that. That's going to be a very good battle. But the Saints are beat up at that cornerback position right now due to suspensions and injuries. So they're going to be throwing out some guys out there. You know, Desmond Trufant might see the field. You know how I feel about Desmond Trufant <laughs> over the last few years. So I'm excited to see him out there with with whoever he's matched up with. I can't wait for that. But, yeah, the, these Packers receivers versus these New Orleans Saints corners, that's what I'm very interested in seeing. That That's one of my biggest storylines. So we're looking at I, – I, I'll respond to the second, third, fourth cornerback. I do think that will be – um, important because when I look at it, the Saints don't have a lot of depth at cornerback position, and the the Packers have a lot of shakiness at their wide receiver position. So I think it'll be interesting to see which one wins out. Last year, Alan Lazar was out here getting deep passes and whatnot. So so we'll see. We'll see what the second, third, and fourth cornerbacks. Uh, do against the second, third, and fourth wide receivers. And then now I'll move to my one key for victory. And this seems simple, 
and it really is. It's self-explanatory, but it's kind of deeper than that. The defense has to give the offense time to gel. I could just say that they have to slow down Aaron Rodgers. That's easy. You know, that that's understandable. I mean, he's the MVP. So, of course, you have to slow him down. But they have to give the offense time to gel because they might not need it. Jameis might come in and everything's clicking, clicking, clicking. However, this is a new uh, quarterback. Not a new system, but probably a new look at the system as some of these guys have had. All these guys are new for the most part. Callaway just got there. Trey Quan, he's just been with Drew. All these guys have been with Drew in their later years, except for some of the uh, offensive linemen. Like, I think Pete was there with a couple of years when Drew was still able to stretch the field more, and so was Armstead. But McCoy, Ruiz, Ramchek, they don't really know much of that. So it'll be a whole different outlook on that. They're going to have to block a little bit longer. You know, it's not going to be as much of a quick release. So overall, everybody is just going to have a little bit of an adjustment period. And I would like if the Saints defense allowed them to have that and not have a shootout mentality very early in the game because I would hate for Jameis to not be able to get comfortable and feel like, oh, I have to go score. I have to go score. And I think that pressure on him might lead to him taking more chances, maybe forcing some more passes, and we're trying to focus on having good decision-making. And shootouts just are not the way to tell a person, hey, don't be a gunslinger. It's just, it doesn't it doesn't match. I agree. I think Jameis, he saw himself in a lot of shootouts out there in Tampa. And that's just not the way to go. And that's not the Saints offense. Y'all are pretty much based on the run, a balanced offense, a balanced attack. And just going straight to gunslinging, that's kind of a recipe for disaster when we talk about Jameis Winston. Yeah. So I agree with you on that one. But my key to victory, it would be this Packers defense versus Alva Kamara. Shut down Alva Kamara, contain him, do not let him go off like he did last year. We saw last year in that week three matchup, Kamara had his way, running the ball, receiving. He had 197 total yards in that game. So he cannot have another game like that, or it will keep you all in the game. and Y'all will have a shot of winning. So I think if we can contain him, then I love our chances of, of winning this game because Michael Thomas isn't there. You guys no longer have Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, you all have Marquez Callaway, but against Jair Alexander, the guy I think is the number one corner, I like our chances with that. So I'm not really too worried about the Saints receivers until they actually prove something. We'll see on, on, on Sunday how that goes. But I really think we need to contain Alvin Kamara. And if we can do that, I think the Packers get a win and they'll be fine. That is important, containing the best player on, on the field um, for New Orleans. But how are you going to feel when, when Marquez drops 70 on Jair Head? How are you going to feel when that happened? 70 what? what 70 yards. Week one, Marquez Callaway, wide receiver one. Not just talking about his jersey number. I'm not saying position and jersey number. This isn't the NCAA football games. I'm talking about the number one receiver for our team dropping 70 on y'all head. How you going to feel about that? Uh, that's not going to happen, one, because Jair Alexander didn't even do that and didn't give that up in one game last year to anybody. So I don't see Marquez Callaway being the guy to do with this week bold prediction we, we talking bold 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 prediction marquez drops 70 on the green bay packers now it's gonna be different if, if he not just matching up against jair 
Okay, this this don't go away. This this kind of goes away because it's not as impressive if he just has seventy. But if he going against Jair Alexander, it's impressive. But seventy yards for Marquez Callaway in his first game is number one receiver, wide receiver one. How you love that? We gonna end that. <laughs> we gonna end it off with that little uh, bold prediction. So y'all know the drill. To the next time y'all hear me, running back, Mendarian Great, I'm out to the south, Benny, blessed.